your hosts, Jane and Kata, back with another episode of the Shermcast. This week on the Shermcast, we're going to be discussing bias and venture capital funding. Many startups rely on venture capital funding to get up and running. Lately, with the uptick in social justice movements, there's been an increased focus on equity and funding. A report from Crunchbase released just last month found that so far this year, Black and Latinx founders have received only 2.6% of the total funding that's gone to founders, despite making up at least 20% of the U.S. population. In 2018, a PitchBook report found that female founders only received 3% of venture capital, despite making up over half of the adult population. I spoke to some members of the Sherman community to see how they have affected and been affected by these phenomena. I spoke to Eliana Berger. Uh, I'm Eliana. I'm a third year at Northeastern studying business, psychology, and design. At Northeastern, I've been pretty involved within Mosaic, the entrepreneurial ecosystem here, uh, first as director of operations and then vice president for the Entrepreneurs Club, and then as co-founder and co-director of WISE, the Women's Interdisciplinary Society of Entrepreneurship. And I also co-founded an accelerator called Envision over the summer that uh, we've been working on ever since. And Tuan Ho, class of 2015. I'm um, Tuan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of ScholarJet. Um, I was the first... Sherman Center co-op uh, for entrepreneurship. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Berger and co-founder Annabelle Strauss started Envision during the pandemic. Envision is an equity-free virtual student-led accelerator for underrepresented founders that are students or recent grads. And we started Envision because um, we realized that there was lack of access to funding and opportunities for students that were minorities. And this was something that we were really, really passionate about improving, especially for students that don't don't even go to universities that have such a world-class ecosystem like Northeastern does. So yeah, and we take about uh, a dozen companies per cohort and we provide them with up to 10k in equity free funding and uh, a bunch of workshops resources mentorship and uh, a demo day at the end of the program that helps them raise money co-founded ScholarJet with co-founders joseph alim and francisco calderon in 2016 ScholarJet is essentially a platform that enables tech companies to recruit diverse candidates by creating skills-based competitions surrounding the most popular tech roles like sales, marketing, engineering, coding. And all the companies have to do is create a competition that has a scholarship prize as a way to um, incentivize candidates to work on their projects. The winner received the scholarships, but anybody who apply who has potential can potentially be hired by showcasing their skills. Ho, who moved from Vietnam to Dorchester at age 10, found that one big issue for him when meeting with investors was the cultural differences that come along with interacting with people from different class upbringings. But for me specifically, I think the main difference is the culture. Racism is spoken quite blatantly in BC world. I mean, obviously, if you do an audit on the website called Crunchbase or Pitchbook, and you look into some of the top BC firms, you read them from top down and look up the founders. You'll find that every once in a while, they invest in a black person. (laughs) Every once in a while. It's like one out of 10. So that's a very smart map. I was like, wait, I did the audit for a lot of these. And so let's start small. Let's start from something that's more prevalent. Dorm room fund, contrary capital. And what's the other one? Draft something. Rough draft ventures, yeah. 
I did an audit on these companies uh, or VC or micro VC funds that funds college students. And lo and behold, I was correct. They fund every one minority entrepreneur out of every 10 white entrepreneurs. <laughs> like it's, it's like, wait, people don't see something wrong here. <laughs> um, but I mean, colors aside, there's also the assessment of like belief and stuff. Right. But honestly, if you look at how, the way that the culture is structured and I grew up, I came here as an immigrant and I grew up in an underserved neighborhood. I don't understand the terminology. I don't understand the perspective and I don't understand the hobbies that these people who grew up in a wealthy family, you know, do figure skating or horseback riding as a hobby when they were a little kid. What we do is be on the street trying to ride our bikes around or trying to stay away from gangs violence, right? And so if you think about how people talk and trying to understand each other, first of all, I don't necessarily believe that the people who uh, come from the wealthy family even remotely care or the care for that does not necessarily, like they don't have to drive to seek out ways to reach back to this world of the underserved communities because it's frustrating. The underserved communities can be frustrating because of lack of knowledge and different culture, right? And so they tend to just, human's nature is very interesting because we always trying to seek for things that are easier to, to pursue. So it's much easier for people who are wealthy to be friends with people who are wealthy versus vice versa. But people who are from the underserved communities, they are either just trying to live life or a lot of people are trying to make it. There's the drive because we feel like we are lacking something because we feel like we have something to prove. So in order to do that, and I'm speaking for myself, we do our best to communicate. But when they start talking about golf, then I'm like, okay. When they start talking about boat parties, I'm like, okay. The question is for me, I'm like, okay, how can I, get a better understanding of this so then I can communicate so then I can have something in common or interest. Because I'm pretty sure they don't care about taking a drive to Quincy to get boba or shoot some hoops in, in like the court and the park nearby, right? They're more of like, oh, let's get some mimosas on this boat uh, on this weekend with my stepdad. Like, so the perceived activities, the perceived value is very misaligned. He also found that people make different assumptions and ask different questions of underrepresented entrepreneurs than they do of their white male counterparts. Oh, my co-founder looks a lot whiter than he actually is. He's half Egyptian, half Malaysian. But a lot of people looked at him and thought that he, was, he looked white, essentially. Um, he get different questions in meetings than I do. He got questions about, and this is common in regards to gender biases too. The men, in this case, 
the guy who looks white, <laughs> get the question of, oh, uh, what's your vision for the company, right? And for the minority or the woman, get this question. I'm like, hey, what's your margin on this? And how do you expect to increase or decrease this margin? And what's your business plan that's like for next week? Or like, they get more. You see the difference? The, because you only get these type of questions when you don't believe that the entrepreneurs already got it down, right? You get the questions of, hey, what's your, um, what's the vision for this is like? Because you already assume that they got the nitty gritty stuff down. So they want to focus more on the big picture, right? Obviously that happens so often. I get grilled while others get a pass and it sucks. You can deal with it all you want. Like I can literally say the same thing as my co-founder and their reaction to my co-founders would be completely different from their reaction to mine. My co-founder can take things lightly and make things seem like it's a joke or, you know, when people start saying negative things, you can brush it off as a joke, right? Then the investors in the room can just go, ha, ah, that's funny, blah, blah, right? But if I brush it off as, as a joke, I'm like, this guy's not serious. We, we, we don't want to. See, there's a difference there. It's blame. But why is that happening? Well, it's all biased in your mind. It's all BS. Why would you treat someone completely different when they are saying literally the same thing as the other person? Ultimately, the ScholarJet team had to shut down due to a lack of demand for their service during the pandemic. This highlights one struggle for many underrepresented entrepreneurs, that if you don't have wealth or an abundance of capital to fall back on, it can be difficult to stay afloat during a crisis like this one. We had to shut down because of COVID. Our purpose was to find more diverse candidates for tech companies, but when there are millions of people unemployed, there are tons of diverse candidates around to, for companies to pick from. So our purpose uh, uh, is negated by COVID. And at the same time, it's just, when you come from nothing, you have more pressing things that you need to be able to take care of, like your family, health and wellness and all that stuff for the people that are around you. Trying to run a company in a pandemic and not being in, in a good position, trying to pivot, trying to do all that while like the fact that, you know, worrying that my parents, like, or my friend is gonna get COVID and die the next day. Like, that's not a good feeling. So like, it was, it's taxing on people who already are not running a company, but it's even worse when they are. While the pandemic may be negatively affecting some, Berger has found that it's also given some of the student entrepreneurs she works with the freedom to start ventures. There aren't actually any other programs that really focus on students especially underrepresented students. And we thought that that was a really, really important demographic to focus on, especially uh, during COVID where so many students had their internships rescinded and entrepreneurial activity was through the roof. And it was truthfully, so many people were starting companies that weren't really focusing on it before because now it's perfectly acceptable to drop out of school or take a semester off as so many people are doing. So we wanted to be able to provide those resources as early on in somebody's career as possible. And we've seen some really, really great results. So it's, it's definitely um, been working so far. So maybe it's working out for someone. 
There's not really a clear solution here. Maybe accelerators like Envision that focus on underrepresented entrepreneurs can help, but Hose found that much of the advice out there about pitching to investors simply doesn't apply when people's biases are involved. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shermcast, and I hope you have a good Halloween weekend. If you'd like to learn more about the Sherman Center, visit our website at www.northeastern.edu backslash Sherman, and consider subscribing to our newsletter. See y'all again in a few weeks.